This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. Global X specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. There's a battle playing out over a valuable collection of music, a feud between pop star Taylor Swift and her former record label that has spilled into the public sphere. It's a fight that's ensnared celebrities, fans, an awards show, and even one of the biggest private equity firms in the country. And it all centers on who gets to own an artist's work. Today on the show, the fight between Taylor Swift and her former record label. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, November 19th. What's the first Taylor Swift song you remember listening to? Uh, It's got to be Teardrops on My Guitar. That's from her first album? Yes. Anne Steele covers the music industry. I think it was in the car, on the radio, you know, my sister and I on the way to school in our grandmother's old 1995 purple Honda Civic, nicknamed Judith. Judith? (laughs) We we probably don't need these details. (laughs) So tell me about Teardrops on My Guitar. Teardrops on My Guitar is one of the first big singles off of her very first album, Taylor Swift. It's very singer-songwritery. It's very country. She's got a bit of a twang in her voice as she sings these very heartsick lyrics. There's guitars, there's banjos. It tells a story, and that's been one of the most celebrated and impressive things about Taylor Swift is even as she's transitioned to more of a pop star, she still has this very confessional songwriting ability and this ability to tell a story very simply with words. All of those songs, from her early country phase to her newer pop hits like Shake It Off, Blank Space, or Bad Blood, all of them are at the center of a feud between the artist and the record label that owns the rights to those songs the record label that gave Swift her start, called Big Machine Records. So the rise of Big Machine and the rise of Taylor Swift very much parallel each other. Big Machine was started in 2005 by Scott Borchetta. Taylor Swift was the first act he signed. She was 15 years old. She had moved out to Nashville with her family to pursue a career in the music industry. Taylor Swift is Big Machine. Big Machine is Taylor Swift. Swift was with Big Machine for 13 years. Along the way, the label signed other hitmakers, too. Other country stars like Florida Georgia Line, Thomas Rhett, Brett Young, and more. But Taylor Swift was the label's most successful artist. Then, in 2018, she faced a choice. Her deal with Big Machine was for six albums. And to my knowledge, how that sort of works out is a year after the final album is released is sort of when she becomes a free agent able to shop herself out to 
other record labels, shop herself back to Big Machine and, you know, sort of decide what's important to her at this point in her career. And obviously, this is not something Taylor or anyone in the industry took lightly. We know that she had discussions with Big Machine about re-signing there. She ultimately decided to sign with Universal Music Group, specifically Republic Records. Was that big news at the time that her and Big Machine were breaking up? It was big news, but it was not necessarily seen as bitter news. But this becomes dramatic in June. Scooter Braun's Ithaca Holdings makes a $300 million deal for Big Machine Records. Who is Scooter Braun? Scooter Braun is this celebrity manager. His clients have included Kanye West, Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, a lot of hit makers. Scooter Braun comes in with backing from the Carlyle Group, one of the biggest private equity firms in the United States, to sort of get this deal done. Is it unusual to have a private equity firm backing the purchase of a record label? No. Since we've seen all this growth from streaming in the past four years, we've seen all sorts of financial institutions get involved buying publishing catalogs and exploiting those rights and that type of thing. We are seeing private equity and other financial entities take interest in the music industry. Anne was the first to break the news of the deal. For $300 million, Scooter Braun bought Big Machine and the rights to all of the music the label had, including the original recordings of every album Taylor Swift had released with them. Her self-titled album, Taylor Swift, Fearless, Speak Now, Red, 1989, and Reputation. This was big. This was big not only for the valuation, but also, you know, it's it's buzzy when the biggest pop star's catalog is up for sale and gets purchased. Scooter Braun, I think, saw the value in owning music. Essentially, he saw the value of Taylor Swift's six albums. Yes, and while there are many other artists on the label, I've heard that, you know, up to 80% of Big Machine's revenue comes just from Taylor Swift's catalog alone. And how did Taylor Swift react to this deal? She was not pleased. That day that the news broke, Taylor posted on Tumblr saying that she woke up to the news with the rest of the world and that she was sad and grossed out by the deal. She said for years she had pleaded for a chance to own her own masters and that her life's work essentially ending up in the hands of Scooter Braun was worst case scenario for her. Everything from Taylor Swift through reputation. Essentially in the hands of a longtime nemesis now. One of the big reasons that Swift took issue with Braun is because of one of the celebrities he once managed, Kanye West. Swift and West famously disliked each other, ever since a dramatic moment at the Video Music Awards in 2009, when Swift was giving an acceptance speech for winning the Best Female Music Video of the Year. So thank you so much for giving me a chance to win a VMA award. I... Yo, Taylor, I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. For years after that incident, there's been tension between Swift, Braun, and some of his clients. Swift has said she felt bullied by Braun and his clients during that time. Given this history, after Braun bought Big Machine, Swift felt like the label she'd helped build was now turning against her. 
Braun had come in, backed by private equity money, and bought her music, while Swift claimed she wasn't given a chance to buy it herself. After Swift's post, Braun defended himself by sharing social media posts from artists who supported him. And Big Machine CEO Scott Borchetta came forward to say that he couldn't imagine how Swift didn't know about the deal. Her father was a shareholder in the company and would have been informed. He also said he texted her the night before the news of the deal broke. But Swift's complaint was not just about Braun and Borchetta. It was about owning the rights to her music, which is one of the reasons she had left Big Machine in the first place. A big part of her deciding to go with Universal was them allowing her to maintain ownership over her master recordings going forward. And that, for Swift, is a big deal. An artist owning the masters of her recordings is not only symbolic, you get to own the thing you've made, but it also means the artist gets a bigger cut of the profits, which matters because the music industry has changed. There's been this entire transformation in how people consume music. You know, in the height of CD sales and digital download sales, there was music companies effectively controlling distribution of music. And so they were taking on a lot of risk and signing an artist and, and putting out their music. And so it just sort of became standard for a label when signing an artist to take ownership of what we call master recording rights. A master recording is the actual piece of recorded music and sort of the right to exploit it, to make and sell copies of that recording. As streaming has taken off, those masters became more valuable. Whoever owns the masters decides who it can be licensed to and for how much. But battles over who owns the rights to music are not new. So we've seen this with different artists over the years. We've seen this with the likes of Janet Jackson and Jay-Z and the Beatles, too. One of the most publicly appreciated ones is Prince. He was signed to Warner Music Group, and he had some issues with his recording contract in the early 90s in an effort to get out of that contract in this odd attempt to make the case that he was no longer the same person who had signed the original deal and thus was no longer bound by its terms. He wrote slave on his cheek, changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol, and insisted on being called the artist formerly known as Prince. Prince's argument didn't work. But eventually, in 2014, Prince was able to earn ownership of his masters in exchange for making new albums which is actually a similar arrangement to what Swift said Big Machine had offered her back when she was negotiating what terms she'd sign on to in her second contract. Earn the masters to an old album for every new album she made. Big Machine disputes that and later released what it says was its last offer to Swift to re-sign, which would have given her all of her masters. The initial dispute eventually died down. Swift released her first album without Big Machine in August. And that album, Lover, was a hit. It sold 450,000 copies in its first day and landed her on the cover of Rolling Stone. It seemed the drama had blown over. But it hadn't. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging 
so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Welcome back. The fight between Taylor Swift and her record label Big Machine flared up again last week ahead of an award show on Sunday. So at the American Music Awards, she is getting a big award, Artist of the Decade Award, and she has been planning to perform her hits throughout the decade on the show. So that would include mostly things from her first six albums. Maybe even teardrops on my guitar. Maybe even teardrops on my guitar. (laughs) But Swift says... Big Machine took issue with her plan. Last Thursday, Taylor again takes to Tumblr, this time to mobilize her fans. She says that basically Big Machine is blocking her from using her old hits in a performance at the AMAs and in an upcoming Netflix documentary. She says that Scooter and Scott have said that she is not allowed to perform those old songs on television because... She says they claim that would be re-recording her music before she's allowed to do so. When Swift left Big Machine, she found a workaround for the fact that they owned all the recordings of her old songs. She'd be able to re-record them and then own the rights herself. But under the terms of her departure, she wouldn't be able to do that until November 2020. And she claims that Big Machine says that her AMA performance would violate those terms. So Swift took it to her biggest supporters, the Swifties. She writes it on Tumblr, shares it across her social media. It appears to be the first time that she's actually actively asking her fans to do something about it, saying, let them know how you feel about this. And how did they respond? Taylor Swift's Thursday evening post, I would say, definitely sparked immediate reaction from from fans. You know, we saw fans sort of pleading with... Scott and Scooter asking them to allow her to play her old music. The hashtags I stand with Taylor and Free Taylor were among the top trending at the time. And hundreds, I think, were tweeting iterations of Alexa, Play the Man by Taylor Swift. That's an allusion to her song off of her new album called The Man. And it's probably the most, you know, explicitly feminist song She, you know, is sort of singing about the double standard society has for male and female artists in particular. Yeah, it's a much more defiant tone. It has this heavy bass line to go with these kind of stern lyrics that she has. And then all of a sudden the drum line comes in and it hits hard and is a real deviation from that country sound that she had at the beginning of her career. Big Machine 
puts out a statement the next morning, you know, saying they were shocked to see her statements. They said these statements were based on false information. They say at no point did we say Taylor could not perform on the AMAs or block her Netflix special. And they also say we don't even have the right to keep her from performing live anywhere. So it's a little confusing. Yeah, it becomes confusing at this point. A spokeswoman for Taylor Swift said that Scott Borchetta had denied music requests related to the music awards show and the Netflix documentary. And this latest battle between Swift and Big Machine had gotten very heated. A source told the journal that Braun and Big Machine employees have received threatening messages and have been doxxed, as in had their personal information like phone numbers and addresses posted online. And then yesterday... It looked like Big Machine changed its mind. Big Machine puts out a statement saying they have come to terms on a licensing agreement that approves their artist performances to stream post-show and for rebroadcast on mutually approved platforms. In the statement, they say this agreement includes the upcoming American Music Awards. On its face, this statement suggests that the music Big Machine owns the rights to, like Taylor Swift's old hits, could be performed at the AMAs. But it's still murky. Representatives for Swift have declined to comment, and the production company behind the AMAs indicated that the issue isn't yet resolved. Either way, at least for now, Taylor Swift still plans to perform at the awards show on Sunday. It's just a question of what songs she'll sing. This is one battle, and I don't think that the war is over. Um, I think... Taylor Swift is going to continue to fight for control over her music. But she, Taylor Swift, is like, she's top, top, top tier. She's in a pretty special class of artist on her own. This isn't something that most artists can make demands about, right? Right. Part of the reason she's doing this and doing it so publicly is to fight for those artists who don't have as much power, don't have as much leverage. What do you think other artists could be learning from watching this fight that Taylor Swift is having? I think other artists could be, you know, particularly newer artists who maybe haven't signed yet or are early in their contracts, you know, could be heeding sort of a warning here and make sure that they're educated about what they're signing and explore what their different options are when it comes to signing over rights and that sort of thing. I mean, music isn't the only industry that has a fight over intellectual property, right? Because the music industry is growing and there's you know, there's money in music now, really the money is in owning things and that's intellectual property. So as there's growth and investment in this industry, I think the value of these assets is being very much appreciated. And that, of course, is going to bring up issues over ownership. I imagine this is something that happens across many industries. You know, when there's value in something, the question over who owns it, who has the right to exploit it, distribute it, make money off of it, definitely comes up. That's all for today, Tuesday, November 19th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. And a quick disclosure, Gimlet is owned by the streaming service Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.